All right, we want to welcome you back to uh, our series we've been doing uh, called When You're Running the Wrong Way. I want to uh, welcome our online audience. Glad you guys are with us as well. Um, we kicked this off two weeks ago uh, with the, the message called, So Why Are You Running? And uh, we looked at the various reasons why we, we sometimes run from God. Last week, we talked about how to not waste a disaster. That, uh, man, when disasters happen and life goes into crisis, how do, we, how do we not waste those moments but really let them be teaching moments for us so that we can learn uh, things a little bit differently? Today, I want to kind of piggyback on last week's message by talking about making the most of second chances. How do we do that? Uh, one of my uh, favorite theologians uh, of all time is uh, Charles Schultz. Um, I just think he's a really smart theologian. Throw that up on the screen. I want to hear some of Charles Schultz writing. This is Charlie Brown sitting at his desk, and he's asking a question. He says, why do things like this always happen to me? I'm doomed. If that bell doesn't ring pretty soon, I'm doomed. I should have done that report, and then I wouldn't have had to worry like this. Come on, how many of you have ever had that moment in class? Yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, oh, please don't call on me. Please don't. Why doesn't that stupid bell ring? Come on, bell, ring. Take me off the hook. Please don't call on me today. Please wait until tomorrow. Please don't call on me. Please, 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 please. Come on, you stupid bell, ring. Don't just hang there on the wall, you stupid bell. Come on, ring, ring. Oh, I'm doomed. She's, not, she's going to call on me next. I know, and I'm not ready. And, and ring. Oh, man. That was a close call, he says to Linus. I thought for sure I was going to get, he, she was going to call on me. I thought I was doomed. Linus says, well, now you can go home and finish your report, huh, Charlie Brown? Then you won't have to worry about it tomorrow. Charlie says, who cares about tomorrow? Come on, let's play ball. <laughs> yeah, come on, how many of you can relate to this at least a little bit? Yeah. It's interesting how um, even when we're given second chances, how sometimes we really don't make the most of those second chances. You know, it's, it's interesting how for, for some people when you look at their lives and they said, you know, I've got years of experience and the truth is, no, you don't have years of experience. You have one year of experience that you have repeated several times. Um, and that's sometimes kind of what we do. And I want to talk about that today because Jonah wasn't always a great model for us in some of the things that he did, but he did make the most of this opportunity that God gave him. We're going to look at Jonah chapter 3. Now, if you want to take your sermon outline out, you can make some notes and track along with us. We're going to throw the passage up on the screen for you. This is taken from the, the New International Version. If you remember the story of Jonah, just for those who haven't been here, Jonah, God came to Jonah and had a task for him. Jonah ran the other way, and he ended up on a ship, ended up getting thrown overboard into the sea. But God, in his grace, swallowed him up in a whale and gave him an opportunity to have a, a second thought about his life. And uh, ended up, he repents while he's in, in the belly of the whale, <clears throat> gets spit up on shore. And now we pick up Jonah uh, having a second chance. And here's what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of, city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. Big statement. And went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God. Just a great statement. And the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. 
And when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, and covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion and turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. In verse 10, just a great verse. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. How do we make the most of second chances? I want to encourage you, um, if you missed any in this series, that you get those CDs or go on uh, the app or the website to kind of catch up because I really think this, this storyline of Jonah is a great story, not just for you, but if you're like me, you also walk with some people who really need some changes of life. And I want to encourage you today as we share, take really good notes today. Again, not just for what God wants to do in you, but for the opportunity God may have to use you to help someone else answer that question, how do I really make the most of a second chance in my life? You ready? Here we go. I'm going to give you a couple thoughts. We'll give them to you pretty quick. Here's the first one. Make sure when you get that second chance, make sure you're repentant and not just relieved. Make sure you're repentant and not just relieved. Um, last week in Don't Waste a Disaster, I talked about the fact that one of the things that's really hard for us sometimes is when, when things go awry and we're in the middle of the crisis, when we realize that we've really fouled up and messed up, we really need to lean in to the full pain of that. Again, not to beat ourselves up, but just so that we fully learn the lesson that we really need to learn through all of this. Come on, it's just us. Sometimes when, when, when we're in a crisis, man, we, we just want to get out of the consequences. We just want to get out of the, of the shame. And, and, and when the crisis goes away, it, it's kind of like, you know, now, now we're, not, we're not changed in any way. We're just relieved that we don't have to deal with the consequences anymore. Now, the word repent is a word that literally means to change the way that you think. And when we come out of this, a truly repentant person is a person who looked at what they did, looked at where they were, and go, you know what? I need to do this differently. I need to see this differently. I need to be different. In fact, I put on your outline, there's a few questions that I think are really important questions that we need to ask. The first one is this. Throw it up on the screen for me. What did you learn? What did you learn? When you're doing a little bit of a personal forensic on your, on your, on your foul-up, you need to ask the question, what, 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 do you, what did you learn from this? Because if you didn't learn anything, odds are you're going to repeat it. A, a second question that we need to ask, what would you do differently? Um, I, I do a lot of coaching with pastors, and uh, when pastors are, when I'm, when I'm meeting with them and talking with them about something that they, they messed up, uh, and they, it may be a staff thing that they did or a board thing that they did or just some ministry thing they mishandled, one of the questions I ask them all the time is this, what did you learn? If you had it to do all over again, then what would you do differently? Because if you end up going back, if you don't understand what you did wrong, odds are you're going to keep doing what you did. And if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. Does that make sense to you? Here's a third question, and you need to circle this one on your outline. How are you different? How are you different? 
Now, this is a very simple thought, but it is so incredibly profound. Throw it up on the screen for me. Wherever you go, read it, there you are. Wherever you go, there you are. Now, make eye contact. Look at me. You see, it doesn't matter if you take a different path if you're still the same person. Because if you don't become somebody different, no matter what path you're on, you're going to keep doing the things that you did on the other path. Something needs to happen within us so that we're not just looking at it differently and thinking about it differently. It needs to change in the way that it comes out in our behavior. In fact, I love this. This is from Matthew chapter 3. These are the words of John the Baptist when he was preaching. Read this out loud with me. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned from God. In other words, don't just tell me you're sorry. I mean, how many of us have had friends or people or in the family that have told us, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but they keep doing the same thing every time. And if they keep doing the same thing, you know what? They're not really sorry. Repentance is different from that. We need to prove it by the way we live. Really cool. Last uh, Wednesday night, I was sitting at, at, our, at our dinner. I was talking with John Ewers. John is a, a, a former uh, senior pastor who is now working as a hospice chaplain and attends here at Chartel. And we were talking about um, children and committing their lives to Christ. And he said, he was asking me the question, we were talking about baptism, and we were talking about baptizing kids. And he said, you know, he said, how do you guys, how do you know if a, if a seven-year-old is really ready to be baptized? And I said, well, Pastor Sarah has some classes she takes them through, and there are some things that she asks that kind of help understand, you know, do they really have a grasp of, of this decision that they've made and, and so forth. And we kind of talked about it. And he goes, the reason I'm asking, he said, I have a seven-year-old grandson. He said, I just thought this was so cool. He said, my seven-year-old grandson came up to me and said, Grandpa, he said, I've, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. I've asked him into my heart. And he said, of course, as a grandfather, he said, that thrills me to death. And he said, but you, you know, you always wonder, does the, does the kid really get it? I mean, does he really understand what he is? He said, but then, he said, my daughter-in-law was telling me the story. He said that last week, um, he said, the seven-year-old came into where, where she was at and said, mommy, where's daddy? And she said, well, he's out with your sister. And he said, well, when would he be home? And he said, well, he took her horseback riding. He'll be home in about 30 minutes. And he goes, I really need to talk to daddy. And he said, she said, well, you know, in, in, well, his name's Walker. I said, Walker, is it, you know, is there something you can talk to me about? And she said, no, I need to talk to daddy. And she said, well, why do you need to talk to daddy? He said, well, you remember a couple months ago when the, the alarm went off and, and daddy asked a question, who messed with the pad? And I told him, not me. She said, I lied to daddy. And she said, I, he said, I asked Jesus in my heart and Jesus told me I needed to tell daddy the truth. He said, now, I've never lied to you, Mama. <laughs> Do you know what you call that? You call that repentance. Here's a seven-year-old who used to think one way, and now he's thinking a different way. And he's proving what's happened in his heart by the way that he's living. Does that make sense to you? Be repentant, not just Relieved. Here's one I, I know you'll get. Cling to God after the crisis as though you were still in the crisis. Cling to God after the crisis as though you were still in the crisis. A couple months ago, up in um, up in Nova Scotia, in Canada. There was a, 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 a Canadian mounted police 
who had pulled into a drive-thru at 2 in the morning. Uh, he was working the night shift, so he was getting a late, late dinner. And uh, as he was sitting there, as he made his order, the woman uh, taking the order told him that the guy who was in front of him uh, had offered, had, had, was going to pay for his meal and wanted him to order whatever he wanted. And uh, the police officer uh, said, you know, that's a nice gesture, but I can't, I can't, I can't accept that. I, we can't take those kinds of gifts. And so the police officer got out of his car and walked up to the car of the guy who was buying him the dinner and um, to tell him, thank you, but I can't, I can't accept this. And the guy rolled the window down, and when the police officer started talking to him, he realized the guy was drunk. And uh, he goes, oh, now, you know. And uh, so he asked to see this registration, and the car wasn't registered. Then when he asked to see his license, he found out that the guy's license had been suspended. So he arrested the guy. <laughs> now, what's the moral of that story? Never buy a cop a meal. <laughs> no, that's not, that's, not, that's not the moral of the story. What, what, what I, when I was reading the story, what I was thinking about is here is a guy who, who you know when he was in court, he was standing before a judge and he was telling the judge, I've learned my lesson. You know, I've learned my lesson. I, I won't drink. I won't, I won't drive. I'll, I'll, I'll be good. And then when he got away from the judge, guess what he did? He went right back to his old behavior. Now look at me. Hear my heart. That is often how we treat God. Come on, gang. It's just us. How many of us cling to God with all we've got when we're in a crisis, but the moment the crisis is over, we go, I got it from here, God. This is our human nature. In fact, I throw it up on the screen for me. I love this. is taken from the, the stories of the, of the Israelites during the time of the judges. And this story is repeated over and over again. After God had saved them out of the hands of, of, of the Malachites, it says what? Read it with me. They forgot the Lord their God who had rescued them from all their enemies surrounding them, nor did they show any loyalty to the family of Gideon, despite all of the good he had done. It's like, so what have you done for me lately? But that's our human nature. I've been in ministry 37 years, and I can't tell you how many people I've had in my office crying their eyes out in the middle of a crisis saying, Pastor Steve, I need God, and we'll pray. And man, and when they're in that crisis, they, they're reading their Bible, they're having their devotions, they are in church every Sunday, but I'm telling you, it isn't long after that crisis finally gets settled that all of a sudden, you never see them again. Now, I, I want you to hear my heart. This has nothing to do with church attendance. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that we often treat God like a cleanup lady. Come in, clean up my mess, once my mess is cleaned up, you know what? I don't really need you. Now, here's what I want you to get. You know, in the story of Jonah, Jonah was not only given a second chance and given a pardon by God, and he not only clinged to God with, for all he was worth in the ocean and in the belly of that whale, when he got out, he was heading to Nineveh. And he knew he's going to need God every bit as much on that journey as he was when he was there in the belly of the whale. I don't know what crisis you may have been in or just come through. Look me in the eye. You got to hear this. You're going to need God every day from now on. It's not just in the crisis. It is every single day of our lives that we need him. Amen? You betcha.
Let me give you a third thought. I'm not going to camp on this long, but I, 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 when I wrote it down, I thought this is just worth mentioning. When, when you're dealing uh, in the aftermath of getting a second chance, part of what we need to do is dig for the roots beneath, beneath our past behavior. Dig for some of the roots beneath the past behavior. In other words, why did I do what I did? What prompted that? Throw that up on the screen for me. I, I put this on your outline. If you don't know why you do what you do, you know what? You'll keep doing it. One of the discovery that, that they've made with people who um, have an addictive personality is that that addictive personality is usually generated out of, out of certain pains and certain things in their life that they're needing to medicate. And what happens often for people who, who struggle with addictions is they overcome one addiction because they, the behavior gets out of hand, but then what they find is that they turn to a different addiction because they're still trying to medicate the pain. Does this make sense? And, and so I can get over my alcoholism, but then I may turn to drugs, or I may get over my drugs, but then I turn to gambling, but because it's all about how do I keep my mind away from that part of me that I really don't want to think about. And that happens in so many different ways and so many different things. And a part of just the forensic of this is we need to ask a question, why did I do that? Think about it for Jonah for a second. Why did Jonah run from God? Was he afraid? Was he just scared of God using him? Um, was there something else in Jonah's life that he knew about that he didn't want God to discover? Um, I think as we read this next chapter, you know, one of the things you're going to discover, we're not going to camp on it today, but one of the things you're going to discover is that Jonah, quite frankly, didn't like the Ninevites. He hated them. He was prejudiced. And he didn't want those people to get saved. And God needed to deal with Jonah about that. We'll talk about that next week. Okay? What are the roots behind the behavior? Let me give you another thought. You ready? Be prepared for the hard moments of change. Be prepared for the hard moments of change. One of the illusions that sometimes we have, and sometimes, quite frankly, I think we propagate in the church is that if you just accept Jesus into your heart, if you make him your savior, everything in your life is going to get easier. Look at me. I love you. That's a lie. It's not going to get easier. It won't. Life is simply hard. Just because you're on a different path and you choose a different way, it's not necessarily going to be easier. If, don't take my word for it. Throw that passage up on the screen for me. This is words of Jesus uh, from Matthew chapter 16. Would you read this out loud with me? Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, what part of that sounds easy? The, the giving up of your own way or life or the taking up of the cross. Does any of that sound easy? Well, it, it's not. Now, again, I'm all about second chances, and I'm all about you choosing the way of God, but I just want to be honest with you to let you know if you're expecting that road to be a lot easier than the road you're on, it probably won't be, and I just don't want you to be surprised about that. Throw that out. I put this on your outline just so you could remember it. Jesus promised a better way, not an easier one. A better way. 
well, Pastor Steve, if it's not going to be easier, why should I even choose Jesus Christ? Because it's a better way. Oh, it's going to get you where you really want to go. It's just not necessarily going to be as easy as you thought it would be. You remember the story of Saul, when, who was the persecutor of Christians, and he had this encounter with, with Christ. And here's a guy who was a, a Pharisee. He was putting people to death because they were Christ followers. And then he has this startling encounter with Christ himself, and he repents. And unbelievably, God forgives him of his past. Not only that, but God starts using Paul as a, as a, as a church planter and as a preacher of the gospel. Now he's gotten rid of this. Now he's on a new path. You, don't, you think, don't you think this new path that, that, that Paul was now on, don't you think that was a much easier path? Are you kidding me? Let Paul, let me let you let Paul himself describe it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Throw it up on the screen. This isn't on your outline. Five different times, he says, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That means he was hit with rocks, by the way, when he says I was stoned. Yes, for those of you that, yeah, we you know, have these new places around the street corners now. So anyway, he, he, was, he, he was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on long, many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in the deserts and on the seas. I have faced danger from the men who claim, believer, claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Now, would you please tell me what part of that seemed easy to you? Paul's journey wasn't easier. In fact, I promise you in many ways, it was a lot harder journey. Oh, but it was a much better journey. Think about this. If Saul hadn't had this encounter with Christ, if he hadn't changed and became the apostle Paul, as we knew, we'd have no idea who he even is. But today, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about a man who gave himself to God and changed the world. It wasn't an easier path, but it was a much better path. Amen? Let me give you one last thought to take with you. Give God your second chance. Let God use your second chance to give someone else a second chance. Let God use your second chance to give someone else a second chance. I love this. We were just talking about Paul and how God made this change in his life. And Paul gave himself to it. I love, again, 1 Timothy 1, how Paul describes his journey. He said, you know, but God had mercy on me so that Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I, I love what Paul's saying here. He says, you know, not only did God change me, man, but can, can you imagine now as I talk to people about grace, I'm a product of grace. And because God, if God was willing to give me a second chance, you know what? He's more than willing to give you one as well. What a great gift. I, I, I was processing this, and I, I wrote this down, and I just thought, I just got to put this on your outline so you can keep it and put it up on your refrigerator because you just need to remember this. It's stupid to repeat your mistakes. 
It's smart to learn from your mistakes, but it's flat out sacred when you teach from your mistakes. Because you take something that the enemy had meant for evil and you allow God to redeem it for good. Come on, gang. The most powerful testimonies we hear are from people who have hit bottom and found God have changed them. They offer hope to us. Amen? I mean, picture, picture Jonah walking through the streets of Nineveh. And he's, he's preaching this gospel. Here's a, here's a guy who has been running from God, thrown overboard in the belly of a whale. He's talking to them about second chances. He's, he's one who knows what second chances are all about. Last week, um, I got an email uh, from uh, a lady in Illinois. And... Um, she had emailed me uh, some months ago and asked to be put on my daily devotional email that I, I email out. Um, she works with a couple of women who had heard me speak last summer uh, when I was in Illinois, and they had forwarded a couple emails to her, and um, they helped her, and so she asked to get on the daily list, and she sent me an email just to, to thank me for the daily devotionals and what they meant to her and all that. Um, but in her email, she talked about the fact that has, as God has radically changed her, she's really leaning into the word because she wants to use that to help other people on her journey. Here's, here's what she says. I'll just, I'll just read you her words. She said, I want to learn as much as possible for I feel strongly that the Lord wants to use me to help others that have been through some of the same trials and tribulations that I have been through. I am a recovering heroin addict. And I just recently got out of a very abusive relationship of 15 years. I was addicted to heroin and crack for 20 years. I was also in the Illinois State Prison. But I have been clean and sober now for two years. Michelle, we're so proud of you. Way to go, kid. The good Lord has landed me on my feet and given me the most wonderful place to work at Lutheran Social Services in the prison and family ministries. In the year that I've been working there, I've also gotten out of that abusive relationship that I was in. The fact that I lived with my abuser for so many years, I had no real plan on where to go or how I would live. Well, that was three months ago. In January, I got to work one morning, and I broke down completely. And to this day, I'm still not totally sure how or why that day was my breaking point because there hadn't been a beating or any kind of bad fight that day or night. But by God's grace, that morning... My abuser dropped me off at work like he did every morning. Well, that was the last morning he ever dropped me off anywhere. I went into the office and I went to my boss and I just started crying and shaking uncontrollably and I, I told him everything that was going on in my home life saying I didn't think I could live with that for one more minute. I needed help before I completely fell apart or something worse or my abuser ended up killing me. And that day... I was rescued. So many people have helped me, and they continue to help me. And I am so proud to say that now, through the love of a wonderful, awesome new man in my life, I am finally happy and healthy and on my way to being the person that I was meant to be. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot to tell you, that new man in my life is now the love of my life, Jesus Christ. Michelle, you're awesome. 
And we are very proud of you. Thank you for sharing your story with us because I promise you, there are some of us here that needed to hear that today. And there are people who need to hear your story. I hope that God not only gives you a second chance, I hope you stay true to that. And I hope along the way you get the opportunity to come alongside of some people who have been or are where you have been and God uses you to help them. Amen. Rachel, why don't you go ahead and come on up. I've asked Rachel to, to lead us in a, in a response song today. And I, I want to just give uh, us a chance to, to pray together. Um, three things I, I would invite you to enter into a time of prayer about. For, for some of you, you may need a second chance today. Uh, maybe today you've blown it. Maybe today you've realized you've messed up. And, and today... You need that grace that we've been talking about. And here's the good news. The Bible says when we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. And this morning, you can open your heart to God. You can cry out to him like Jonah did. And if you're willing to do that, God is willing to take your past and to put it in his sea of forgetfulness. And today, well, today can be the first day of a brand new life for you. And I want to invite some of you to take advantage of that. There may be others of you that you've already taken that second chance. You've, you've taken that step with God and you're on the journey. And maybe there's some of us that are finding that path is, isn't as easy as we thought it would be. It's not as easy to overcome those addictions. It's not as, as easy as we thought it would be to continue on in relationships. It, it's not easy to, to stick with this new life. Maybe some of us have even found our, ourselves slipping a little bit and we, we were drawing a little bit away from God. And maybe today you're just going to want to reseal that and say, God, you put me on a, a new path and, and I want to stay on that path. Help me. A, a third prayer for some of us might be we're walking alongside of some people. And they're a mess. They need a second chance. And maybe today for some of us, our prayer is, God, would you help me help them? Would you help me to know what to say or what not to say? Would you help me know how to pray? Would you help me in whatever way you can? To point them to you, Lord, if their lives don't turn around, they're going to crash. And I don't want that to happen. There may be some of you who just want to spend a few moments crying out to God on behalf of someone else who needs that second chance. And that's okay. You can do that right where you are. That's fine if you want to pray right where you're seated. There may be some of you who want to slip out while we're singing this song and just come to an altar where you can kneel, where you can stand before God, just have kind of a, a little more of a defined moment with him and just bring your need, bring your challenge or bring that person who's on your heart before God. Some of you may also want to put that on your prayer card as we sing. And you may want to just put that in the form of a prayer request and hang it on the prayer wall. How, however you need to lean into God in these next few moments, I want to invite you to do that. But I want this just to be a special moment for you as we invite God to meet us at our places of brokenness and begin to help us understand how in the world, Lord, do we make the most of a second chance. Father, how we thank you um, for second chances. How we thank you that your word tells us that your love is 
higher than the heavens, more than we could imagine. And Father, I, I just pray today on, on behalf of each and every person that may be crying out to you because they need a second chance in their life. Or maybe that's their third or fourth or fifth. But today, Lord, as they call out to you, and one more time, ask for your grace and forgiveness. Lord, would you just wrap your arms of love around them? Um, would you let them know that your heart is tender and compassionate toward them? That no matter who they are, what they've done, or how long they've been there, you're willing to forgive them of that, and you're willing to give them a, a brand new start. And today, oh God, help them to learn to walk in the fullness of that grace. Father, for those of us today who have invited you into our hearts, and, or maybe for those of us who have had some issues in our lives that we've given to you, and we're on a new path, but we find ourselves struggling a bit today. We find ourselves maybe tempted to go back to the old ways or we find ourselves kind of slipping in our walk with you or just not sure of where we're heading. Father, today, would you put your hand upon our shoulders? Would you breathe into us new strength and new life? Would you, would you wrap your arms around us, God, and just let us know that you will walk with us each and every day. Help us to cling to you just as tightly on the road as we did when we were in the crisis Lord, Jeremiah 29, 13, one of my favorite verses of Scripture says, You will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Would you make that our life verse to live by? And Father, there are many of us today who are, are crying out on behalf of some people that we're walking with, that, that they desperately need a change of life. Lord, we don't know how to help them. So would you give us wisdom and discernment? Would you help us to know what to do, what not to do, what to say, and what not to say? Would you guide us? Lord, we can't fix them. We can't be their God or their Savior. But we do want to be a voice of love and compassion in their life. and We do want you to use us any way that we can be used. But wherever they are today, would you lay your hand upon their heart? And would you break them? Would you cause them to turn their faces toward you? Our hearts grow fearful as we watch them on this path because we know that the path that they're on is leading to destruction and we can't stop them. And so, God, we put them in your hands and we cry out, oh, God, would you draw them home? Father, thank you again for the great grace that you give to us. It is so precious. Help us to treat your grace with the sacredness that it deserves. Not just letting it change us and forgive us, but Lord, just like you did with Jonah and Michelle, would you let that grace use us to reach out to some others, to share with them what God has done for us, he will do for them. Help us, we pray today, Lord, to make the most of our second chances. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said,